G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Wednesday, we do like to check in on those breaking news headlines as they're coming out of Israel and more broadly across the Middle East. Ron Ross has been across the headlines again this week. He's back with us. Ron, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, let's start with this one. Jerusalem Church's appeal to the Israeli government to safeguard Easter worship. What's being reported? Yeah, the churches in Jerusalem appeal to the government to ensure Christians are able to worship freely during Easter, expressing concern at mounting violence and acts of desecration over the past year. Easter coincides again this year with the Muslim holy month of Ramadan and the Jewish festival of Passover, and followers of all three faiths are going to throng to Jerusalem's old city. During the same period last year, East Jerusalem was the scene of clashes between Israeli security forces and Palestinians, some of them Christians. In a joint Easter message, the churches asked the overseeing officials to work cooperatively and collaboratively with us to help secure the safety, access and religious freedom of the resident Christian community and the millions of Christian pilgrims annually visiting the Holy Land. Uh, challenging times, uh, keeping everybody safe. Hey, Ron, an Israeli government minister says the judicial reform legislation will resume after Passover. What's happening here? Yeah, the Transportation Minister Miri Regev told the Likud publication Melukadem that immediately after the Passover break, the government would continue to move forward with judicial reforms. Passover in Israel is observed tonight and tomorrow night. Regev wrote, as Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, the reform was only put on hold temporarily and there's a known date for the next session. Immediately after Independence Day, we are continuing with the legislation. She even claimed that Netanyahu paused the legislation to allow for negotiation. But if there will be none, we'll bring it back just for reconfirmation. Contrary to everything that's being said about the judicial reform on the propaganda channels, the reform is designed to strengthen the public's trust in the judicial system, she said. Well, this is challenging, isn't it? Because that's what all of those demonstrations on the streets have been about and uh, holding back on that reform was about potentially averting civil war. Take us into this a little deeper in what's being reported around this judicial reform, Ron. What's this debate all about? Yeah, the website Israel Unwired published an article entitled The Unlimited Power of Israel's Supreme Court. That was published on March the 30th. The author Shmuel Sackett wrote the following, and I'm quoting only a very small sample. He began, most people simply have no clue as to how much power Israel's Supreme Court has. There's literally no example of this anywhere in the world. In a recent interview with Piers Morgan, Netanyahu said the following, Israel's Supreme Court 
can nullify any decision of the Knesset, can nullify any appointment of the government, can intervene in military matters, can intervene in the fight against terror, and can even try to stop the government from taking gas out of the sea, a project that will bring billions of dollars into our economy. He stressed over and over that there's no democracy in the world that gives the judiciary this kind of absolute power. Had this been explained in a clear and simple way, the protest movement would have ended before it began. However, the government dismissed these protests as meaningless. Furthermore, the Attorney General forbade Netanyahu from speaking on the issue, calling it a conflict of interest. In addition, the right didn't realise how well organised and especially how well-funded they were. People were being paid to attend the rallies. I know this for a fact. 250 shekels to attend the rally, plus an additional 100 shekels for transportation expenses. They claimed the current government was against women, peace and democracy. In conclusion, he made an interesting observation, saying Israel is very similar to America in one critical way. The majority of the people are good and strong and live according to religious values, but the leadership in all areas are in the hands of the weak, apologetic, politically correct liberals. Just think for a moment, he said, about Hollywood, the military, the academia, the media, the economy, and the whole digital world. Outside of a very few exceptions, these are all in the hands of the political left. Israel is exactly the same way. The controversy is not over yet. Let's move on to another headline, Ron. Saudi Arabia wants a role in Jerusalem's holy sites. What's being reported here? The Saudi Ministry of Foreign Affairs recently condemned the flagrant invasion by Israeli settlers of the Al-Aqsa Mosque Square under the protection of the Israeli occupation forces. Such measures, it said, undermine peace efforts and contradict international principles relating to the holy places. In recent years, there's been a rising Saudi interest in Jerusalem's holy places. According to Saudi journalist Abdel Aziz Al-Kamis, settlement of the Al-Aqsa issue is a key condition for the establishment of relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia. After the Abraham Accords, there were many Israelis who thought Saudi Arabia would be the next country to sign an agreement with Israel. He said Saudi Arabia has a significant role in the Arab and Muslim world and therefore sees critical importance in regulating the holy places for Islam in East Jerusalem. A story, Ron, uh, that relates to our near neighbours to the north, Indonesia, and around soccer. Now soccer's governing body, FIFA, denies Indonesia's bid to host the Under-20 World Cup over their resistance to Israel's participation. What's this one about? Yes, soccer's international governing body, FIFA, has denied Indonesia's bid to host the Under-20 Men's World Cup due to the predominantly Muslim countries' attack on Israel and support of the Palestinians. Any nation that hosts a FIFA tournament must host all FIFA-affiliated teams. But over recent months, Indonesia has been agitating against allowing Israel's team to enter the country for the under-20 games. Rallies sponsored by radical Muslims waving Palestinian flags have erupted in the country's capital of Jakarta, demanding that the government pull the welcome mat 
for Israel's World Cup team. Threats of violence have also been made. Indonesia's Football Federation said it had cancelled the draw after the governor of the island of Bali refused to host Israel's team. Consequently, FIFA has rescinded Indonesia's permission to hold the tournament. Challenging times for Indonesia and perhaps significant for a deepening fundamentalism in Islam in Indonesia. Hey, Ron, let's finish off uh, sort of a good news story. During his recent visit to Germany, King Charles III visited a memorial to Jewish children. How does this one look when you're reading it in the headlines in the Middle East? King Charles III commemorated more than 30,000 people, mostly German civilians, who were killed in the Allied bombing of Hamburg almost 80 years ago, on the last leg of his first foreign trip since becoming monarch. The attack in July 1943, carried out by British and American planes using incendiary bombs, was a response to Nazi Germany's deadly aerial raids on Britain. It resulted in a firestorm which destroyed large parts of the city and remains a painful memory in the Hanseatic port's proud history. Charles laid a wreath at the ruined church of St. Nikolai, now a memorial site, and listened to Hamburg's bishop, Kirsten Fairs, read the Coventry Litany of Reconciliation, written to commemorate the destruction of the English city of Coventry by German bombers in 1940. Earlier, Charles and Camilla, the Queen Consort, visited a memorial to the Kinder Transport, or the Children's Transport, that saw more than 10,000 Jewish children receive refugee status from Nazi Germany in the UK in 1938. All right. Ron Ross, always so good getting your update. Uh, We do feel very updated on those things that are breaking news out of Israel and the Middle East. Thanks so much for sharing those with us today on 2020. And thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.